Deck, Dr. Ron B. Smith Jr. Oh, God. Front side. Oh, man. I want an observation deck. Is that in the new building plans? <laughs> yeah, it is now. It is, right? yeah. <laughs> it is now. Oh, man. That was awesome. We love it. Love it. Hey, welcome. Welcome. Welcome back. So, with us again, as always, at least up into these episodes, right? As we're having fun, we got Jacob Miller in the house. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Listen, you had most of the, uh, yesterday, you had a pretty much a full dad Sunday, right? Yeah. we Father Sunday. Yeah, like six, seven hours of just me and Benjamin. Man, you know what? I admire you for that. I can remember the first time Randall left me alone with the girls and or Rayleigh is at that point, and, and, and she went off to choir practice, and Rayleigh got sick, and I was like, what do I do, moms? So you're awesome, man. He's, what, six weeks now? Yes, six weeks yesterday. Six weeks, and you guys spent six hours of mono imano dad son time. All right, Rodney Kilborn in the house. Yep. Yes, he is, and you heard him there. Remember, Jacob is over there pushing buttons. Rodney is the man with the beard. Watching him push buttons. Watching him push buttons. All right, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about negativity is positively killing you. But hey, you know, as you guys are listening and learning, we are learning and creating. Like, it feels like we're literally waxing this thing, this car, as it's coming off the the floor Mm -hmm. to go into the showroom. And so I want to just read to you sort of what Front Sight is. Of course, Front Sight has three main words, faithful, focused, fearless. Now, if you're looking at a, a site, if you will, there's the rear aperture that has a left and a right, and then the front side obviously is a single post. So faithful and fearless are sort of the post on the on the the left and right post on the rear aperture, and of course, focused is in the single. So that's why it's three words: faithful, focused, fearless. Here's what we we were going after: real life conversation, life changing adjustments, and take home advice. Frontsight Podcast is a podcast that takes aim at biblical manhood through practical interviews with everyday guys. Uh, myself helps we Pastor Ron helps men activate their role in society as guys. Man, when you say that's important, a little bit, right? Huh? Yeah. Husbands and dads, Frontsight is designed to activate men to be faithful, focused, and fearless. In our episodes, we want to we want to be able to live a life of both education and action. And that's so important to me. Uh, we, we love it that you guys are listening, but I want you to do more than listen. We're going to challenge you every time to go do something um, in your heart, your life, your family, somewhere, right? With also moments of adventure, humor, and discovery. All right, here is a big head topic today. Negativity is positively killing you. Man, this idea of um, neuro thought, um, cognitive restructuring, it's a hot topic. Um, I started studying stuff by Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Goodness gracious, 2016, 17, whenever she started coming out with stuff, which a lot of that helped me in my uh, Hello You um, series. Um, I'm still reading many of her books. As a reminder, I'm reading one right now called Think, Learn, Succeed. I'm also reading another book entitled The Stressless Life by Vance Pitnam. Um, How many of you love that one, right? The Stressless Life. Here's a good one for men. 
and women, but it's a good book. It's by John Acuff. It's called Start, Punch, Fear in the Face, Escape Average, and Do Work That Matters. Uh, so those are three resources that I'm using right now to put some of the more, more immediate um, episodes together. All right, so I was thinking last night, I, I added um, I added to the text, if you will, of what I was going to say today, and you guys joining in uh, of your experience. All right, so we're if you're on social media um, or any kind of smart device, you're probably familiar with the term algorithms. Ha- has this ever happened to you guys? I don't know. Have you ever sat around your house and you talked about something? I have no idea. Like just you and your wife were in your kitchen and you were like, hey, let's go do Frisbee golf. And then like an hour later, you opened up your phone and the first ad was? Frisbee Fris- golf. Yeah. Has that ever happened to you? Like maybe not Frisbee golf, but has something like that ever happened to y'all? Oh, yeah. Many yeah. times. Yeah. That's All the time. We- it's weird, isn't it? It's like that somebody's always listening. Okay. Here's the reason why I share this algorithm connection. All right. We have smartphones. You probably have a smart watch. You probably have a smart TV. I don't know what you call these digital females in our life, but they're assisted living listening devices. I don't know. Um, Alexa, Siri. We all need more digital females. Right. <laughs> Alexa, Siri, Google even. And I just now thought of this. I apologize. Um, maybe for the negative household, they need to come out with one called Karen, right? <laughs> it's like, hey, Karen, find me a mechanic that won't work, that has a horrible reputation that I know he'll ruin my car. <laughs> wow, that's, blast him on social media. So I can blast. Yeah, right? That's for the negative person. I'm so. still getting past the uh, punch fear in the face. <laughs> you're, st- <laughs> you're still back there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Why? Because it's a good title? Or yeah, you yeah. Do it? Just, yeah. Just throw the book at me. I'm going to hit it. Come on. Let's do it. That is a good title. That's why I'm reading that book, actually. But All right, so follow the line of thinking here, guys. This is a big head topic, but I'm telling you, there's a reason why this is episode five why it's so early in our episodes, because if we don't get our head right, everything else you're about to learn here won't sit right. And if mm. it's not sitting right, it won't be activated properly. If it's not activated properly, it's not going to come out the way it's supposed to come out, okay? So if you understand algorithms, if I say something, I get an ad on it in my social media. All right, now translate that to neural thinking. As I think, as I talk, as I speak, it becomes reality in my life. Like I I now start noticing, if you will, ads. Like everywhere I go begins to reaffirm a negative bias or a positive bias. Mm. Whatever I speak about, whatever I think about. Okay. Now I also want to I want to share this with you. Negative, negative, negativity rather is is not always like bad talking, like angry talking, Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? When we think of negativity, we think of that angry person in line, like, why am I not getting the discount and I'm never coming back? Negativity is, is not just bad talking, and it's not only complaining. Mm. Here's what I've learned, and which is why I put it down because, well, I'll share about myself here in just a moment, but it's neg- negativity is also tone, like, mm-hmm. I heard somebody say years ago, there's two ways to tell time, and I use this when we do premarital counseling. I can look at the clock, and I can say, oh, wow, it's 1 o'clock. Or I can say, oh, my gosh, it's 1 o'clock, like with intensity, right? 
So I use that in premarital counseling with arguments, like if, if when one of you messes up, you can come in and just softly point out the obvious, like it's one o'clock, like something happened here. Or you can come in like, what are you doing? It's one o'clock. So negativity isn't just always bad talk or complaining. It's also in tone, mm. meaning like I caught myself, okay? So what I did was I, I heard others I'm talking stores, social media, church. Now, to be fair, this was during COVID is when I really noticed it a lot, right? Because, I mean, it was just a very negative environment. And so I was noticing that, and then I began to think, wait, I think I kind of sound like that. So, I mean, I would come into the office, and and there's Debbie, and there's Leah kind of going down the line and so forth, and I'm like, well, good morning. And I'm like, well, yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, I guess it's a good morning. If the guy in front of me would have gone faster and... And, and to me, that was, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was just like sharing that. And I could watch Leah's face and Debbie's face and they were like smiling, but their eyes are like half closed, like, oh, wow, he's didn't have a good morning coming in, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's tone. Um, we, we, sometimes we think we're being helpful, which so often we think helpful is positive, mm. but we're doing it with furrowed eyebrows. Like, yeah. have you ever talked to somebody who was just telling you something like, guys, we've got to watch out for this and be aware and be alert. Yeah. And you're like, okay, okay, I get it. It's, well, like, my, it's like saying the right thing the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really good way to say it. And, and being negative is not just an only chicken little, like the mm. sky is falling. Um, we can approach very positive situations but use negative language. Yeah. If we're not careful, for instance, um, was watching some ridiculous movie last night or whatever, trying to fall asleep, and and some guy had an accident. He was receiving therapy, and his little therapist he says, "Well, I can't do this yet, and I can't do that yet." And she goes, "Remember, don't say can't, just say not yet." Yeah. And I thought, wow. And it was kind of a humorous part, so it wasn't meant to be like this learning moment in the movie. But I guess I heard that, and and so anyway. So here's what I mean. So negativity isn't just being a complainer. You really have to watch facial expressions. You you have to watch your tone because trust me, trust me, trust me. I meet quite a few people in ministry that are church members. They go to church. They're Christians, and they're actually telling me they're a very positive social person while they're complaining about everything in the world. And I'm going, do you not even hear? Like, can you not hear? That's my whole point right? The, the neural synapses have filled in the blanks so much that the person now thinks that negativity is actually normal and it's positive. Mm. They no longer see it for what it needs to be. All right. So again, to be fair, a lot of this was written for me. I thought I was a fairly optimistic person and positive speaking person. And then when I paid attention to me in my speech, I found out that I, I can improve that there are times that I'm a little more negative. I'm a little more grouchy. I'm a little more complaining. I'm a little bit more down in the mouth, um, if, you, if you will. Now, also, guys, hang on. Positivity is not always fake happiness, mm. Yeah. Mm. right? Like for most guys, we think, well, okay, honey, I get it. Like I don't need to be so angry at the mechanic that could have done a better job. Like the guy messed my truck up. I, I can't just go, oh, well, bless the mechanic. Everything will be okay. Right. Maybe he had a bad day. You know, positivity is not fake happiness that covers up feelings of concern. Hmm. Positive thinking, speech, and outlook, listen, is reframing thoughts, language, and behaviors 
into a way of life that sees the opportunity, the blessing, the adventure, the hope. It's not being ignorant of difficulties. It's not being ignorant of problems. It's just choosing to reframe it and look at it in a different way instead of developing a thought pattern in your brain that is unhealthy. Does that even make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Especially these days. Right, I think so, especially these days. Like, for instance, here's one passage that I still try to wrap my head around. The Bible says, Jesus, who for the hope set before him, endured the cross. So in that one verse, that's not Pollyanna. That's not like fake happiness. It's it's telling you the reality of the situation. There's a cross ahead of him, but nonetheless, he still has hope. All right, so how do we have crosses ahead of us, around us, problems, if you will, but still face them with hope? Let's dive into this. Man, I can't wait to get into the research of this stuff, because right now, this is just, I'm into this thought process, literally. Research shows that most people complain once a minute during a typical conversation. Oof. No, we don't. <laughs> Good one. J- I don't think so. <laughs> right? Right? Jacob goes, oof, I like that. Right? right? I don't think so. But now, now, honestly, I didn't believe that until I started listening to conversations around me, and I actually listened to what was coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think there's times when we complain more than once a minute. Yeah. But listen to that. Complaining <clears throat> is tempting because it feels good. All right, can we just admit it? We've been married, or we're married. We've been married a while, you guys have. Have you ever played the my day is worse than your day battle? Be honest. Where yeah. you come in and you complain about your day and you hope that it out outplays your wife's day, and then she starts telling you what all she went through, and you're like, I didn't mean for you to win. That that, <laughs> that That's not the whole point. You're supposed to console me right now. <laughs> right? Like, I, I'll be honest, I've played that game, and... And I come in right, and I'm I'm just I'm just complaining. I'm I'm right. Why why complaining? It feels good. Um, it's it's a lot like um, smoking or eating a pound of bacon for breakfast. Right? Complaining isn't good for you. What? Wait. What's wrong with eating a pound of bacon? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I promise Nothing, I won't Rodney. complain Nothing. about that. <laughs> Let's be positive. Nothing, Rodney. It's very good for you. <laughs> Keep doing it, Rodney. Yes. <laughs> we'll be down one man next year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, here's why. Listen, you got to get this. Your brain loves efficiency, mm. and it doesn't like to work any harder than it has to. When you repeat a behavior such as complaining, your neurons branch out to each other to ease the flow of information. Mm. It's making it much easier for you to repeat that behavior in the future. Okay, back to the algorithms. Whatever you talk about the most, that's what your social media feeds you. Yeah. Whatever you think about the most, that's what your brain develops. Wow. Yeah, wow. Now listen, you can't blame your brain, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Who would want to build a temporary bridge every time you want to cross a river? Yeah. It makes a lot more sense to construct a permanent bridge. So you're ne- basically what's happening is your neurons grow closer and the connections between them become more permanent. Scientists describe it this way. Neurons that fire together, wire together. Mm-hmm. I loved that statement that they yeah. made. Now, repeated complaining rewires your brain to make future complaining more likely, mm. which is why some people 
will sit there and tell you, I'm a very positive person. I'm positive I'm negative, right? And they don't even know it yeah. because the brain has just rewired their their mode of thinking. And remember, how you think is how you act. So literally your thoughts and your your negative thinking is, is literally shaping the world within you, the world around you, and how you interpret the world that's coming at you. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Complaining, so, huh? Yeah. It's interesting, you know, how that is pervasive in every perspective, too. Like, we say it with computers, right? It's not it's not the system. It's the person entering the information into the system. You know? Right. Yeah. We okay. see, to your point, yes, we see that everywhere, but we don't see it where it's needed the most. In our own heads. In yeah. our own. We can see it with a computer, to your point, but we don't see it in our yeah. own head. What does that mean? It means complaining becomes your default behavior. Um, which is often how people perceive you. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so here's the kicker. Here's the kicker, guys. Complaining damages other areas of your brain as well. This is what research research shows us. Like Stanford University has shown that complaining shrinks the hippocampus. Mm. That's the area of the brain that's that's critical to problem-solving and intelligent thought. Like, I'm literally, by complaining, I'm interrupting my ability mm. to solve problems and to think intelligently through. All right, so stop for a minute. Have we? Here's a statement you hear all the time: "Man, common sense is out the window." Right. Mm. Well, if I am constantly negative, uh, the research is telling me I don't have the ability to problem solve or think intelligently. Which is why I think in the world we live in right now, it's so overwhelmingly negative. At the same time, it lacks such common sense. Mm. Mm. This research you're seeing is just dead on. Now, okay, here's the good news. If you're conscience, conscious of, guys, and you're ready to change, remember, uh, in, Encourage Media Front Sight is all about education and action. If you're aware of it, and you want to change your pessimistic outlook, there are tools to help. And thank goodness, like I said, this is a hot topic right now to help you deconstruct your internal habits and rebuild new ones. It's called cognitive restructuring. Now, I I haven't fully comprehended how Dr. Carolyn Leaf does this, but she full-on teaches people how to re wire their brain to recover from from some traumatic experiences. Mm. I'm talking like not just anxiety issues, but like things like amputation and disease. The brain is that powerful. All right, here's what cognitive restructuring is. It's the therapeutic process of noticing and changing your negative thinking patterns. Guys, we got to start here. You got to, okay, before you can change anybody else, you got to change you, Mm. right? Um, you you got to change you. Now, what it does is is it it allows you to recognize damaging thought patterns as they're happening, not afterwards. Okay, so before um, I noticed this, um, if I was a complaining person, I didn't notice it until later, like maybe how people responded to me or didn't respond mm. to me, like say my own family. You know what I'm, I'm saying? In the just small silence. Right? And I'm thinking, okay, they disagree with me. Well, it wasn't really that. They just didn't want to, you know, it's like talking to Debbie Downer. Have you ever had a Debbie Downer in your life that you saw them coming and you, and you did everything you could to avoid them because you're like, well, I know where this is going. Yeah. 
right? Well, it's it's that kind of thing, okay? So guys, we got to be committed to this. You can learn this thing called cognitive restructuring. All right, now here it is. Let me, let's get into how do we do this. Now, there's a whole lot to this, but we only have a little bit of time. So let me just get into one of them. One of the biggest uh, energy saps, like that, that pulls away from your ability to think appropriately is expectations. Mm. Yeah. Now, I threw this one in there um, with part of cognitive restructuring because Raina and I wrote a conference, a marriage conference, and we wrote the material, and it's entitled Expectations, the Marriage Conference. Mm. After 15, 20 years, whatever it was, of, of marriage counseling, I discovered that the biggest word used in marriage counseling was expectations. Mm -hmm. I thought this was going to happen. I thought she knew this. I thought we were on the same page. Expectations. Here's what I mean. When we allow ourselves to, to be overwhelmed with the weight of expectations, you basically set yourselves up for failure, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Expectations are huge mental leaps. Now, they become difficult Expectations become difficult when they're unstated, meaning when you hope somebody reads your mind, yeah. or when they're unfulfilled. When we conjure up this fantasy thinking, which we all do, we all have levels of fantasy thinking, like for guys, my wife is going to recognize how hard I work, how much I'm providing for the family, and when I come home, X is going to happen. Either she's going to throw a party or there's going to be some quote-unquote time alone with me and her or she's just going to tell me good job. You know what I mean? Like, so all day long, I have I have started this thought process of expectation that my wife is going to – I have been telling her I've got a, a, a hard day. i got a long week. She's heard me say that, so I just know. I just know she's going to throw a party or she's going to, you know, say, honey, take the night off or go spend some time with the guys. You deserve it. You need it. And when she doesn't reciprocate, like when she didn't read my mind, which she can't read my mind, mm -hmm. because I have an unstated expectation that's now an unfulfilled expectation, what happens? Oh, I blow up. Yeah. You don't know why, too. I, I don't even know why I'm blowing up. I'm just because now there's this whole that's the, it sets it literally sets me up for the victim mindset like nobody cares nobody's aware i work so hard i'm not appreciated don't they know how hard you know don't they know the economy don't they know the conversations i'm having during the day how much how effort it took to bring home this paycheck or to close that deal or to get them in dance or whatever right mm -hmm. no they don't know right and they probably won't know i mean i learned that a little bit later in life, that there's no way my eight-year-old daughter could fully comprehend how hard her dad works mm -hmm. to appreciate what was provided for her. Um, it, it took years. All right, so let's get into it. How do we overcome negativity? Really, two simple points, um, scientifically speaking, and then I'm going to end this thing with some strong biblical proof. All right, so I'm going to show you at the end of this that cognitive restructuring did not originate in science. It actually originated in the in the Bible. All right. So how do I overcome negativity? You ready, guys? Number one, you got to practice gratitude. Now, listen, you hear that so much, right? You're probably like, rah, 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 okay, what is that? No, it's powerful. Hmm. I'm telling you, every week about I teach on something, somebody contacts me about it and they don't even know. I was on the phone yesterday driving home. 
Um, and somebody texted me and they said, hey, can you reach out to me? I couldn't on that day and ended my day late. So the next day I woke up in the morning, called them, and literally this is what they were saying. They were they were like, all right, well, since I've had time to think about it, I was a little too focused on what wasn't happening rather than count what good is happening. So he said, I really got my head right when I started thinking more about what was positive, and he had no idea, and I'm going, I said, you have no idea. I'm literally talking about that this week. Hmm. Listen, we have to practice gratitude. You're probably tired of hearing about it, but there's nothing better for a positive mindset than appreciating what you already have. It's so easy to talk about what we don't have. Right? Yeah. Like, why don't I have that? Why isn't this fixed? When is this going to happen? And why? Negative feelings typically originate in lack. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. Because I don't have a certain income or education or status or friends or I didn't close that deal for ministers, it's why is my church running 100 and his is running 500? Why don't I have the same results? I mean, we all compare. But think about this, guys. Negative feelings originate in lack. Lack of options, lack of material objects, lack of satisfaction, right? By looking around and noticing what you do have, you challenge your lacking mindset. Yeah. Every morning, write down a few things that you appreciate today. I'm telling you right now, guys, if you don't listen to anything else, if you're like, oh, I got to go into a meeting, here's all you need to know for right now. Take five minutes and meditate on what brought you joy. Take five minutes and write down things that you do have that are blessings. Even if it was a good cup of coffee or sunny weather, like we went to Cuba and I was like, hey, man, can we stop by and get a Sprite? And they were like, well, we may not have Sprite today. I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, we just don't know if we're even going to get stuff like that. And so when I came back, I don't drink Sprite a lot, but when I came back, I was like, wow, Sprite is right there at the checkout of Publix. I'm thankful. I didn't buy it, didn't drink it, but I was like, wow, it's there. The small things are worth pondering on. All right, here's the obvious. Number two, surround yourself with positive people. <laughs> yeah. No. Right? <laughs> I mean, right? That that goes without that goes without saying. All right, I don't know if you're into golf or not, and I don't they still use this term. But a guy that sort of plays bad at golf is called a duffer, right? He just digs his club into the ground. And my dad, when I was just learning to play, I think I was like 12, just kind of recreational play. Um, And my dad was like, oh, you want to play? And I was like, yeah. And so we were learning tricks and that. And I'll never forget what he said. It's what every dad, I'm sure, teaches every kid that's playing golf. It's like a universal lesson. He said, if you play golf around duffers, you'll play like a duffer. He said, if you want to bring your game up, play with people that are better than you. Yeah. And at first I was like, wait, what? That means every time I'm going to be like number two, I'm going to come in. Because my other grandfather used to say like, you know, coming in second is the first loser, right? And I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. But he was so right. When I played with people that played better than me, it challenged my game. If I began to play better than the duffers I was around, I didn't want to make them feel bad, so I played down to their level. Surround yourself with uh, with positive people. Let me give you a word on this one. We probably all have negative people in our lives, right? Um, it's, it's essential that you surround yourself with people who help you, like serve your needs, if you will, like to help you grow. 
Now, that doesn't mean surrounding yourself with yes people. It means surrounding yourself with people who bring good hope, good energy, good good vibes, as my youngest daughter would say. Uh, they, they bring out God's purpose, God's mission for your life. Sometimes that may mean challenging you. They You might need somebody in your life that say, hey, I know you're working on this negativity thing. Well, right now we're kind of going down that hill, right? How do I do that? If you have a chronically negative friend um, in your life, don't immediately cut them off. Hmm. First of all, begin to talk to them first. Because maybe what you're seeing, the change that needs to happen in your life, might actually help them as well. Now, express your concerns about that, right? Like, And now that's uncomfortable to, to do, but I have some folks that are like that, and I begin to slowly tell them. It's not an easy conversation, and to be honest with some people, it's taken me a year. Like, I'll introduce small little things. Like, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about that? Why is all of this important? Our thoughts generate our feelings and our attitudes. While doing so, they also they, they affect our perceptions, they affect our relationships, and they become of our person a part of our personality mm, yeah. and our mental composition. Oh, my goodness, listen. Negativity causes a huge lack of interest determination, ambition, and productivity, which leads to frequent failures in life. Hmm. Like, as soon as a negative person predicts that something negative is going to happen, they get addicted to that, and now they see everything happening around them is negative. And it is because your brain is literally telling you, well, that's the path you want to go down. Here's here's where we go. Remember that, right? Now, leaving aside the negative effects it has on us, our negativity affects others. It spreads. Paul was challenging Timothy in in 2 Timothy, and he says, remember Hymenus and Philetus? They're like cancer among you. (laughs) Negative people can be cancerous, and you can be cancerous in your negative thinking and and spread to others. Listen, listen, listen. you got to remember this. Your bodies are nothing but servants to your minds. Mm. Negative thoughts have the ability to demoralize your body, lower your immune system, and therefore make a, make yourself easy praise for long-lasting disease. Think about that. Yeah. Think, this is the power of positivity as well as the power of negativity. Listen, negativity is positively killing you. That's why um, I titled that. Are you ready for this? Yeah. All right. How do we approach this biblically? Okay. Mm. I need you guys to understand nine simple Thoughts. Now that we're dealing with a thought life, number one, guys, learn this. If you can control your thoughts, you can control your life. Yeah. Literally, if if you can control your thoughts, Proverbs four twenty three. Be careful what you think because about because your thoughts run your life. Now that's the NCV, the New Century version. My favorite version, the ESV says, "Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life." The heart there is he's talking about the the, the area of processing. Another way to say it in the TEV is your life is shaped by your thoughts. So really quick, if I control my thoughts, and the Bible tells you now to take captive our thoughts, like you really have to think about what you're thinking about, okay? If I control my thoughts, I can control my life. That's power right there. Yeah. You want power to change your life? Yeah. It's, it's probably not found in another self-help book. It's, it's found in you controlling your thought life. Number two, change starts in my mind. We're going to say this verse a lot. Do not conform yourselves to the standard of the world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete 
change of your mind. That's Romans 12, 2. Matthew 5, 8 in the message. You're blessed when you get when, when you get your inside your world, your mind and your heart put right. No, you're blessed when you get your head, your mind, your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Mm. Yeah. You're blessed when you get your inside world right. I love that. Get your head right. Change starts in my, so many of us, we want to affect change on the outside and hope it affects the inside. That's wrong. Yeah. It's inward thinking affects outward living. Number three, how, how I change, how I think changes how I feel. How I feel. Yeah. It doesn't just change the, tra- the trajectory of your life. It changes how I feel. David says, my heart is breaking, so I turn my thoughts to God. All right, let's pause for just a moment and think about that one. When a negative situation happens, how often do we turn our thoughts to God or how often do we let our mind run down all the negative possibilities of what could happen? Oh, man. A lot? Yeah, that's Uh, easy. Very easy. I mean, think about in our world, right? I've, I've got folks that are emailing me stuff and texting me stuff all day long, and they're like, Pastor Ron, did you just see this? Did you just see that? And you know, what's our response to this? And how do you think about this? I mean, every day you turn on the news and it's just, it's rough. I mean, murders, um, identity issues, um, sex trafficking, the economy. I mean, you just are, we know this, our world has fallen and it's falling even further into being fallen, right? And so it's very easy to live with what I call headline hysteria. If I'm not careful, I can let my thoughts just run with that and become chicken little. I love what David said, my heart is breaking. He acknowledged there's difficulty going on in his life. What did he do? I turned my thoughts to God, Psalm 42.6. Jonah, wow, what about Jonah, huh? When I'd lost all hope. I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. Now, what I love about those verses is, look, the, the where, where does the acknowledgement start? Some There's a problem. There's a negative issue yeah. in my life. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. My heart is breaking, David. I'd lost hope, Jonah. So remember, positivity isn't, isn't ignoring the problem and being all Pollyanna, like, it's okay, the house is burning, we'll get a really good suntan. <laughs> that's No, no, that's not positivity isn't that. They acknowledge my heart's broken. Yeah, I've lost hope. But they both said the same thing. God, I'm turning my thoughts towards you. Guys, are, when these negative things happen to you, quickly rewire your brain by turning your thoughts to God. So how do I do that? Just simply ask, God, what do I do with this? Why do I feel this way? Yeah. Where are you in this thought process? I need to hear from you. How do I reframe what's happening outwardly? How do I reframe that inwardly based upon your word? Remember this, think, feel, act. Those three words, would you say those words out loud right now to yourself? Think, feel, act. Those are words that you're, like the book I'm reading, Think, Learn, Succeed, Yeah. Carolyn Leaf. Do you understand? This is a trending topic, but it's actually from the Bible. Mm. You just read it. Yeah. Here's the next one. Our behaviors are attached to a belief. Wow. 
I behave based upon what I believe in at that moment. It's true. It's so true. Yeah. How often do we hear from the prophet Haggai? Think carefully about your behavior. Think carefully about your behavior. Proverbs, a foolish person will believe anything. (laughs) Man, he's right to the point. But a wise person thinks about what he does. Hmm. So often... If you haven't, if you're having a hard time evaluating if you're negative, and you don't know how to evaluate your thoughts, start with evaluating your behaviors, yeah. and track your behaviors backwards to the thought process. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, a, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you, you hear Jonah say once more in that prior verse, and then you you hear here in Proverbs, a person thinks. This invokes repetition. It's not just a response, not just reactive, but great point. Great point. Yes, and it's exactly right. It's not going to just be like one second or five seconds or ten seconds. It's yeah. literally going to be like repetitious. Okay, now that's a great point. Wish I had time to run a, a long way with that, but let's just summarize it by saying this: be, because the brain rewires itself based upon how you predominantly think. You may have a lot of connections to undo, yeah. which means the more I repeat that thinking, the healthy thinking process, I'm just going to start taking those, oh, man, my dad said it this way in a very southern redneck way, all right? My dad says sometimes it's like it's like straightening something out that's like a barrel of fish hooks. Mm. Think about that. Like, have you ever tried? You, you don't just straighten out those fish hooks by sticking your hand down there and grabbing all of them at once. You're coming out with a mess. Yeah. He he said you do it by just one fish hook at a time, one fish hook at a time, one fish hook at a time, and then now that they're all out, you can straighten them out. But so many times, our mental thinking is like a big, big old barrel of fish hooks. Like it's convoluted. It's nasty. It's messy. It's damaging. It's hurtful. Yeah. Repetition is the key. Remember that? Your behaviors are attached to a belief. Now watch. When I am tempted and I commit sin, guys, listen to this. I am believing a lie. Wow. Yeah. I just read a study because it's coming up in future episodes, and of course we know this stuff, but I literally watched what happens to the brain when we get hooked on pornography. Now, pornography, it was wild, wasn't what you immediately go to, like the triple X stuff. It was like billboards that just show a, in this case, guys, we were looking at females, it just showed a female in an evening gown dress that just barely showed, right? So it wasn't like triple X Something provocative. Okay, that's a good way to put it, something provocative. It wasn't triple X stuff, even in that how the brain just began to fire off neurons that wanted now more of that. Mm. Like think like an addiction, right? We know as soon as you take a hit of an illegal substance, right, the brain's like, oh, okay, you're feeding me that. I liked that. Let me build more to get more towards that, okay? Tolerance comes up. Tolerance comes up. The point is when you commit a sin, you're believing a lie. You're telling your mind, this is what I should think. Mm. When I commit a sin, Proverbs 14, there are many ways that we think are right, but they lead to death. Wow. 
James 1. Temptation comes from the lure of our own inner desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions, and those actions lead to death. It starts with where you think. An object is seen, a thought is provoked, now a neural connection has been made for the negative. Now I have to go through the process of cognitively restructuring that. Here's another one. You guys know this, and this is why Frontside exists. There's a battle going on in and for my mind. Yeah. Okay, so the world we live in is a matrix. It's it's not the kingdom of God. We've not inherited that yet. We're in the kingdom of this world. You are physically and mentally functioning in another kingdom, which means there's a battle that's constantly going after your thought life. Mm. Listen, we're so busy mentally. The easiest thing to do sometimes is surrender somewhere. That's why I quit golf. Yeah. <laughs> Curse you, Chichi Rodriguez Jr. Golf set. Right, I get that. I yeah. How many times have I given up golf? Um, number seven, to win the battle in my mind, I have to guard my mind. How? By using God's spirit and God's word. We know this. Second Corinthians. Our our weapons are not are not earthly weapons. Yeah. They're, they're, they're weapons that are spiritual. They have power to demolish the enemy's strong places, is what Second Corinthians ten tells us. And and those weapons. Now listen, those weapons. The Bible says, put up a barrier that wants to fight against the knowledge of God in my mind. Hmm. Okay, we're we're gonna, we're going to expand on that as as more episodes um, unwrap. Here's the next one. Here, our goal in in overcoming negativity is to think like Jesus say, wow, that's huge. Well, the Bible tells us we can. 1 Peter 4, 1, since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Now, that's the message version of 1 Peter 4. Your thoughts and attitudes must be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2 is an even stronger one. We have the mind of Christ. Yeah. Okay? So you have to learn how to think like Christ. Like, how do I do that? Well, I get God's word in me. Uh, his words replace my words. And man, here's the point I've been wanting to get to. Here's here's the point I think of the whole this whole episode. Repentance is actually good cognitive restructuring. Mm-hmm. We started with cognitive restructuring, and that means rewiring the neural synapses. Remember, every time I think a negative thought. The brain doesn't build a temporary bridge. It builds a permanent bridge. So now my mind just says, well, this is just the way he wants to think. Yeah. So I'm going to wire his brain to think that way, which was negativity. Every time I repent in my heart, I'm literally renewing my mind. The word repent in the Greek is actually the word metanoia. Metanoia. It literally means to change your mind. Wow. Acts chapter 3. Repent, change your mind, and return back to God so that all your sins may be erased, blotted out, and wiped clean, so that times of refreshing and recovering and reviving may come from the presence of the Lord. Acts 3, the Amplified Version. What a powerful verse. Right? Acts 3.19, Amplified Version. Version. All right, we're going to end with this one verse because I've given you guys a lot of information. Here's the way I really want to just sum up what we've talked about. Negativity is positively killing you, but let me end it with another title. You can positively, positively kill 
negativity. Yeah. You can. Scripturally speaking, you have the power. You have the mind of Christ. You have the ability of Christ. Second Peter 1, you've been given all things. You're partakers of the divine nature to live godly in Christ Jesus. Listen, listen, men, you can, you can be fearless, faithful, and focused. You can have a strong mind. And trust me, trust me, trust me, from someone who's just recently evaluated, was he a negative person or not? You'll see change around you. Like Raina immediately began to comment. Like, wow, I like this new approach, or this is really helpful. My girls have even changed in so many ways. And here I was thinking I was this super awesome positive dad. Well, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't that bad. But anyway, I still needed change in my life and in my heart. Here's our last verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How, guys? How? By the testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. Guys, right now, start. Right now, start. Discipline yourself to evaluate your mind. You can positively kill negativity and see an awesome, awesome change in your life and in your heart. Don't be conformed to this world, guys. Renew that mind. Renew your heart. But I believe in you. I know you can absolutely do it. All right, all right, all right, guys. Here we go. Ready on the right. Ready on the left. Already on the firing line. Dial it in. You are faithful. You are focused. You are fearless. Like this post. Subscribe to it anywhere you find podcasts. And share, share, share. See you next time.